as we start today, and we have, um, we're having communion today, and the first Sunday of every month we have um, kids inclusive. So that means our children that are older than fifth grade are part of worship. So today we're going to do something a little bit different as we engage our children and ourselves in worship. And as we start Lent on Wednesday, it was um, Ash Wednesday, and it is the start of Lent, so it's the 40 days before Easter. And so today we're going to do a practice called burying the Alleluia. But first we have to make the Alleluia, and first we have to talk about what is burying the Alleluia. So um, students and people that are five years and older, you get to do something fun, and you get to make an Alleluia today. First of all, do you know what the word Alleluia means? Anybody? So this is a little educational piece. There's Hallelujah with an H, and there's Alleluia with an A. Um, the Alleluia is a traditional chant which means praise to the Lord. Um, the Yah is the, is the um, Hebrew word for God's name, and then the Alle is the praise. So Alleluia is a right expression to use when you are expressing praise or joy to God. I know I catch myself saying Alleluia many times during the day. If something good happens, Alleluia, praise the Lord. Um, it's just a way that we can express thanks to God, and sometimes we even say it without even thinking about it. But during Lent, did you know this? You're not actually supposed to say Alleluia during Lent. It's this tradition that's been going on for centuries, but it's, it's to say that we almost, um, we come in and we are practicing more solemnness and more seriousness during Lent, and we almost bury our joy in a way. And so during Lent, a lot of congregations bury the Alleluia as a symbolic gesture at the beginning to mark the seriousness of this season before Easter. So the historical practices come from a discontinuance of not saying Alleluia on the beginning of, of Lent all the way through to Easter. Um, it happened in medieval times, and it was often done by children. Um, Bishop William Durante said, We part with Alleluia as from a beloved friend whom we embrace many times in a kiss on the mouth, head, and hand before we leave him. Thus, the Alleluia is sung for the last time and not heard again until it suddenly bursts into glory during Easter morning. And it's repeated three times on Easter morning. So I was thinking about something fun that we could do to kind of mark the beginning of Lent, the beginning of Easter, before Easter starts, and we're going to make an Alleluia. So children, if you want to follow me to the back, there's paint back here. That sounds good, right? Yes? Um, and I wrote the words Alleluia on this canvas. And so during the sermon today, you are invited to color. There's markers. There's paints. Take it easy on the paints. You know, just you have nice clothes on. Do your best. Um, and you get to paint and, and decorate all around here. Make it as joyful as you want. And then it's going to sit here and dry. And then later on today, I'm going to hide it somewhere in the church. And then right before Easter, we're going to find it again. And then we're going to put it out and we're going to put Alleluia out in front of the church so you get to see what you decorated. So this is what you get to do during the sermon time. And if um, you hit a point where you've done decorating, you can go and sit back with your parents during the sermon. Got it? All right. Go to it. So as we start um, worship today, we come to... Mark 13 in our sermon series. If you're joining us recently, we have been working through the book of Mark um, in a sermon series called Active Faith. And I thought that today was really uh, just timely um, as we read in this passage of Mark um, 
in our sermon series from Mark 13. And the phrase that struck me as we um, read and I read through this past week was the biggest F word in the world, and it's fear. I like to say that to people when we're talking, like just to like make them think for a second. Like, I think fear is the worst word in the world. For me personally, I've noticed that fear is something that either propels me closer to God or hides me from him. I believe this is also true of our earthly relationships. Fear causes us to hide, lie, and isolate. It also has the potential to deter us from God's best and choose something that is not his best for us. Fear has the ability to cause us to take our eyes off of Jesus, just like when Peter stepped out of the boat to walk with Jesus, and when he noticed the wind and the waves, he reacted in fear and began to sink. And so as we turn back to scripture, I just want to hit some of the highlights in Mark 13 that Bella and I and Dylan had all read together. And if you open back up to Mark 13, a couple things that stand out. When Jesus was leaving the temple, the, the disciples, they were impressed. They're like, wow, look at the temple. It's huge. These big stones, massive buildings. And Jesus tells them, do you see all of this? Not one of them will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. It's kind of like if we went to like one of our huge buildings, um, even like if you think back to 9-11, the, the World Trade buildings, nobody would ever have imagined that those buildings would have come crashed down. Nobody. I don't think I would have believed it either. And Jesus says, this is going to happen. I'm sure that caused his disciples to pause. We don't have their reaction in here, but he just says, they're all going to be gone. And then Jesus goes on the mountain of olives, olives, and he's opposite the temple. And Peter, James, John, and Andrew ask him privately, tell us, when will these things happen? And what's going to be the sign? How are they going to be fulfilled? And Jesus gives them some some cues of what is going to happen. First of all, he says to watch out that they're not deceived. He's telling them that there's going to be people coming in his name, claiming that they're the Messiah, that they're he. And he says, watch out. He tells them that they're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. He says, don't be alarmed. He says, such things are going to happen. And the end is still to come, meaning that there's going to be more. He says, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. And he says, these are the beginning of birth pains. He tells them, be on your guard. He says, you're going to get handed over, over to local churches where you worship. You're going, to be, you're going to be beaten and flogged in synagogues. He says, on account of me, meaning on account of my name, you are going to stand before really important people as witnesses to them. He says, and the gospel, the good news, that's where he comes back to the good news, must first be preached to all nations. So he comes back to, like, what is the mission? And it's that you're going to go and tell the good news. And he tells them that whenever you're arrested, and that's really interesting that Jesus doesn't say, he says, what if? He says, whenever you're going to be arrested and brought to trial, also don't worry about what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit is going to help you and give you the words. He also tells them some really hard things. He says, because of me, families are going to be divided. He says, brother will betray brother to death. Fathers to their children. Children will rebel against parents and have them put to death. He says, everyone will hate you because of me. That's not like really uplifting words, is it? When I come to that, I'm like, ooh, I I don't like hearing that, Lord. But he says, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And so Jesus gives his disciples kind of this really hard inside 
take on what's going to happen after he's gone. And, and the thing that we, that we have here is that we don't have the full story yet of what's going to happen, but I'm sure his disciples are like, wait a second, like, Jesus, we thought you were going to be, like, the king. We thought that everything was going to be good, and he's telling them that there's going to be some really, really, really hard things happening. And in, in commentaries, they call these the little apocalypse sayings. Um, I just think it's really interesting when you think about how um, apocalypse means, like, all I can think of is in, like, SpongeBob, where um, in Bikini Bottom, it shows, like, the, the nuclear, like, mushroom sign. And Jesus is saying, there are going to be some really bad things that are happening, and get ready for them. The disciples were wondering with Jesus, when is this going to happen? I'm on slide four, by the way, Jamie. And their expectations at the time were very different than what Jesus had in mind. Um, the, the expectations that the disciples had were that Jesus was going to be like the king of kings, that he was going to overthrow the Romans, that the Jewish people were going to have their nation back, that all these like really good things were coming down the pike. And instead, Jesus is telling them, it's going to be really terrible for you guys. It's not going to be easy. But he also says, there's going to be something really good coming, and it's the gospel is going to be preached, and hang on, I'm going to be with you to the end. I think about how in this, in this instant that God is dependable and he's not focused on a timetable like we are. And this is an important thing that Jesus emphasized. He didn't tell them, like, like they asked very directly, you know, if you catch this in Mark 13, verse 4, they said, tell us then, when will these, hap- when will these things happen? What will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? And Jesus doesn't tell them the timeline. He doesn't say, well, um, it's going to happen on such and such date, and then you're going to get this and that, and you're going to know exactly what's going to happen. That's not exactly how he does, but, he, but we do have this good word that God is dependable, and so we can depend on him. So I was thinking about what's happening in our world right now and all the events and things that have been happening in our world. Um, I'm reading this book. I'm just going to show it to you if you want um, some extra reading. N.T. Wright's God and the Pandemic. I'm a big fan of N.T. Wright. Um, And one thing that really caught me as I was reading in this book was that all of the things that are happening right now is very appropriate for us to be thinking about in Lent. Um, We have this theme that we are working on for Lent, and it's called Leaning into Lent. And sometimes I think we don't like to lean into things that are uncomfortable. We don't like to lean into things that are hard. I know for me, I usually want to get out of it, wriggle out, get the easiest thing. And that is not what God is calling us to, as as we have in his word. We have him telling the disciples, there's going to be really hard things happening. But he says at the very end here in verse 13, even though you will be hated, you stand firm and endure and hang on and lean into me. Um, do we have slides? Yeah, okay. <laughs> sorry, I'm a little lost up here at church. I'm really sorry. There we go. Okay, so we have our what, when, and how. I don't know if any of you are like this, but I, I think like we often really want to know all the details and we want to know the full story. And we don't have the full story. We don't have the full details. Um, if you could go to the next slide. So I, I want you to think about what is God up to and how do we see the events in our world right now through his lens? You know, I was thinking back to um, 
you know, what keeps us from God, and, and oftentimes it's fear. Fear keeps us from God and from taking our eyes off of him and not trusting him. And, and probably the first question I was going to pose to you is, like, what, what events right now in our world that are happening are causing you to fear right now? What are the things that are causing you to feel um, uncertain about your own life, about what's happening in our world? What's causing you to lose sleep at night? Those are the things that we can press into God even closer and ask him for his help on it. Ask him kind of like the disciples saying, Lord, what, like, when is this war with Ukraine and Russia going to end? Is it going to get to be more? Is, is it going like, to affect us directly? Um, and I know that sounds really selfish to say, like, is it going to affect us directly when we have all these other people in the world that are suffering? And, and we still do that because we still don't want to suffer. And so it's important, to, it's important just to sit with God on that and to say, um, how can I lean into the promises of Jesus? You know, Jesus says in John 14, I just wanted to remind you of this, Jesus comforts his disciples. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have not told you that I'm going there and to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the place where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know the place you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus also said that we could have peace in this world because he's overcome the world. We don't have to be troubled. We can also trust in him. And so I just want to encourage you this morning, um, when, you, when you think about like, what's happening in our world and it, and it might cause you to lose sleep or it might cause you to be distressed, just remember that God has his promises for you and for all of us, and he's with us. Um, I wanted to share with you a quote from this N.T. Wright book, um, N.T. Wright speaks to what's happening right now in our world when he wrote about the, the pandemic. And he said this, God's kingdom is being launched on earth as it is in heaven. And the way it will happen is by God working through his people. The surprising conclusion that N.T. Wright talks about in this book is that Jesus has already done everything for us. So when we say, like, God, what are you doing or what are you up to? He's already been up to it all because of what he did through Jesus, through his death and his resurrection. And, and when we say the Lord's Prayer of thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, N.T. Wright, um, he says, it's already happened. It's already happening. So join Jesus in the work that he's doing. That kind of caught me because I, I thought about how Jesus tells us to be people that are restoring, to be bringing his kingdom to the here and now and for the one that is to come. And so it means that we, we just don't throw our hands up in the air and be like, I guess it's all just going to be terrible and it's, it's going to end badly. It's to say God has called us to partner with him, to be watching for where he's at work and to be partnering with him in what he is doing to bring people to know him and to know the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, G.K. Chesterton also said this, we remember the first things. G.K. Chesterton, is, um, he was a fantastic writer. He's a very influential person of why C.S. Lewis came to know Christ as his Lord and Savior. And G.K. Chesterton said this, There are many people who know the last word about everything and the first word about nothing. That made me laugh because I know a lot of people like that. I can be like that. He said, Fidgety fussing about the last things must never displace the first things of Jesus, the great commandments of love God, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
um, I want you to be thinking about how oftentimes we just want to, we want to know um, and, and get the last word. It's kind of like what Jesus was talking about with his disciples. They're like, just tell us when all these things are going to happen. Tell us so we know what's going to happen. And Jesus always keeps coming back to the first things. Love God, love me, and love others. And we must lean into that. We must lean into the discomfort right now of, of looking around and saying, God, what is going on? We've had pandemic, we've had all kinds of social disruption, cultural disruption, racial disruption. We have a lot of chaos in our world, but then we come back to Jesus and we keep that first thing in mind of love God and love others and keep our eyes on him and it's gonna be all right. And that's, that's where I've been sitting this week and I, I don't know where that sits with you, but one thing that, that caught me was in Romans chapter 8 this week. Um, as you lean into the deep promises of God, in Romans chapter 8, can you bring up that slide next, the one after it? Um, a few of your Bibles, Romans chapter 8. Sorry, friends. In Romans chapter 8, we have this wonderful passage that's always so comforting. And at verse 28 of Romans chapter 8, it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. And then Paul goes on to say, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? It is written, for your sake we face death, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, can separate us from the love of, of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You know, if you, if you have um, trouble with some of the things that are happening in our world, keep coming back to passages like this. Um, Jesus saying, it's, it's going to be rough, hang on, but keep your eyes on me and endure to the end. And that's, that's what we do as the church body. And we also reach out to our world, loving them in Jesus' name and showing up in the hands and feet of God. Um, I just want to encourage you with this prayer that's found in the Book of Common Prayer, and it's this. Eternal God, who commits to us the swift and solemn trust of life, since we do not know what a day may bring forth, but only that the hour for serving you is always present, may we wake to the present claims of your holy will, not waiting for tomorrow, but yielding today. You know, as, as we are the hands and feet of Christ, um, no matter what's happening in this world, don't let that stop you from doing what God has called you to do. Don't let that stop you from um, showing up and being present and, and embodying Jesus in whatever situation we find ourselves in. Um, and I think there's no other time than, than the present to do that right now. 
Um, we're going to be celebrating communion this morning, and I wanted to encourage you with, um, with this word. Claire, you ready? Um, in the Eucharistic offering of bread and wine, our brokenness and separation are offered in symbolic union with the broken body of Christ, and then given back, transformed, and made whole as a sign of that new community brought into being by his resurrection. You know, the early church, you know, they, they had many challenges. I think worse than we did, actually. Um, but they always came back together every week to encourage one another, to be reminded that they are the body of Christ together. Even though there's brokenness in our world, that broken body of Jesus given for us, his blood shed for us, it's that reminder of coming back and remembering our identity as Christ followers. So this morning, I, um, I just want to invite you as you come to the table to think about what Jesus did for you, how he loves you, how he is with you, that we have forgiveness and we have new life in him. In the Covenant Church, we celebrate open communion, which means that if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you have received his forgiveness and you are his um, child because of his forgiveness, you are welcome at this table. Um, so I'm going to read to you um, and then we are going to um, pray and celebrate um, communion today. Um, in Luke's gospel, it says that Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks and he said, take this and divide it among you for I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me every time you drink this cup and eat this bread together. Um, so please pray with me. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you for giving your life for ours. Lord, thank you for taking our place, God, even though we don't deserve it. Lord, help us to trust you even more. Help us, God, to be, um, to be courageous as we follow you. Thank you, Father, that we have your resurrection power in us that raised Jesus from the dead. And thank you, Father, that when we say yes to you, um, when, we, when we receive your forgiveness and we choose to follow you, Jesus, you give us new life. And Lord, we are not alone in that new life as we take this bread and this cup together as brothers and sisters. Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters that are in this world. Um, God, may we follow you wholeheartedly. May the church rise up and, and show you in wonderful ways to those who are watching. And we thank and praise you, Jesus, for the new life that you've given to us. In your name we pray, amen.